are your friends? Who do you speak to about love, life and everything else that entails? I'm Kirsty Fitzpatrick and I'm 20-something and this is my friend Jen Saderhelm. She's 40-something. Despite or maybe in fact of our 20-year age gap, we've come to seek each other out for advice and feedback. We're more connected than you think and that's why we've started this podcast, 2040 Celebrating Friendship Across Generations. 2040 Season 3, Episode 3, Not All Canberrans Are Public Servants. Welcome back, everybody. So as we've alluded to already, we're kicking off Season 3 with a few Canberra-centric podcasts. We did have our break last episode with coronavirus, but we are back. This time we're talking all about Canberra work. We've covered home. Now it's time to do work. We live and we work in the capital, so we want to share some of our experiences with you. So my experience with Canberra in a work environment is when people from generally outside Canberra ask you what you do for a living, they lump you into three categories. First, it's public service, then it's politics, then it's the defence force. And it's all people seem to have this idea of about Canberra. It's, oh, well, if you don't work for the government, then you must be a politician. So technically you do work for the government. Oh, OK, you must work for defence and you're a spy and still technically you work for the government. <laughs> and it's like they forget that there's retail and there's hospitality and there's nurses and doctors and dentists and truck drivers and bus drivers and school teachers and all these other professions out there. What's your experience of firstly being asked about work from people usually outside of Canberra? Right. Well, I had a great day in my early days where I was training. I was talking about a job resume and the things that you put in a job resume. And I was saying, so you want to include your hobbies. And I love having that in there, finding out what people do and what they do outside of their working hours. And this woman said to me, you've never worked in the public service, have you? And I was like, what? What do you mean? And she said, that's not how a resume is for anyone who works in government. Mm. You have strict guidelines as to how it is. They would never even look at what your interests were. And that was so foreign to me because I think for most of the jobs that you were just saying that are non-public service, police, defence, politics, that key element is you have all your skills and then you have often your hobbies or things that you do outside of work. So that was a real mindset change. And I was thinking about my street. People in my street Uh, let's say we've got 11 houses and 80% of us fit those three categories. Really? Yeah. I mean, even in my own household, I fit that category. Not me personally, but I have other people in the house who do. So, yeah, it's interesting. And when we catch up, that's what they talk about. Yes. And we spoke in Canberra Home, our first episode, of all the acronyms that public servants use that we have no idea what you guys are talking about. Talking about mm. whatsoever, but it becomes like its own language, doesn't it? Yeah, it does. And on top of that, it's incredibly complicated job roles that make sense to other people somehow. Yes. And some of the job roles are like, why do you need that? Why does that exist? But it does <laughs> for whatever purpose in that department, in that agency of government. But to everyday people hearing it, or someone like me, or you hearing it, it's like, oh, what do you do in that role? It's kind of seems a bit redundant. Let's talk about close friend units. We both work in media and have worked in media while we've been in Canberra. What do your close friends do? We covered this a little bit in our one of our work episodes last season, but in terms of job roles and do they fit into this defence, politics, APS, public service? Sorry, there you go. There's me using an acronym. <laughs> I don't even work in the public service. <laughs> do they fit into those categories? So when you get to a certain age, I've noticed that once you have kids, your friends start to become fellow 
parents with kids. However, that is not true of Canberra. Mm, it's a little bit true, but let's say 50-50. So more of my friends have become friends because of work. But it's a really diverse smorgasbord. And I would say that most of my friends fit into the arts category. So they're not yeah. in those areas. That's my great love. And they seem to be the kind of people who I gravitate towards anyway. Interestingly, one of my best friends is ex-public service. Okay. We've had conversations many times where we've gone jargon. Both of us have gone jargon in different ways. So I've gone jargon about my own radio or blah, blah, blah. And she's gone jargon about public service. Yeah. And I have no idea what she's saying to me. Yeah, yeah. And we try and meet in the middle. But I went to her house and she had a gathering of four women. All three of them were ex-public service. And they talked... And honest to God, I was sitting there thinking, I have no concept of what this conversation is about. Wow. Okay. Interesting. I think for me, the majority of my friends in Canberra are media because that's how you get to know people, I think. But there's, oh, how many can I think of off the top of my head? Probably three good friends of mine that all work in the public service. And another one of my friends who does something different completely. I'm actually, I always get a little bit confused at what he does. I must admit, something to do with sales. But I do get a little bit confused at his actual role. But I know it's not public service. Well, maybe it is public service. I don't think it's public (laughs) service. I'm 90% sure it's not. But all, yes, the people that I know and the people that I know well are either media or certainly have a significant background in media or, yeah, they're public service. Have you had the conversation where someone has said to you, oh, they're from the attorney general's department and giving you like almost a wink (laughs) do you know what I mean I have had the they're from the prime minister and cabinet department and that's when I go oh wow like does that mean and see for me fellow Canberran oh that's weird saying that fellow Canberra (laughs) resident but someone who has no idea about the public service but does have some idea about politics and departments because of my media role all a bit complicated and interwoven there but prime minister and cabinet is like Prime Minister and Cabinet, yet even I still go, mm, does that mean you work with Scott Morrison every day? And of course they don't. They barely ever would see him. Prime Minister and Cabinet's possibly not even, I mean, Scott Morrison doesn't even work in Canberra unless he's yep. sitting for Parliament. So of course he's not seeing the Prime Minister every day. Although I must say, I don't know whether or not this is for public knowledge, but I did learn that the secretary or somebody in a role like that of Prime Minister and Cabinet earns something like $700,000 a year, which is well over what the Prime Minister's salary is. Holy um, I know. So I really do wonder what these people in public... I mean, and that's the other thing that's worth talking about here is that people in public service do earn a high wage. Mm. Like, they earn a lot of money. And one thing I've noticed is the longer you work in public service the longer you think that you don't earn much. Yes, that is so true. Yeah. And it's so infuriating when you are someone who works in childcare or sometimes in media or something like that, retail, and they're like, oh, you know, I'm on 120K. God, you know, how do I – and you're sitting there thinking – and you're struggling? Yeah. And it was the Barnaby Joyce comment. You remember when he was talking about being on $400,000 and wasn't sure how he was going to raise the kids oh, and, and manage through university, etc. But that is just 
so much money. I know, I know. I have a good friend, Tash, God bless her. My friend Mel and I went and and saw her the other week and caught up with her and we haven't seen her for a while. And we were talking about tax because it's this time of year where people are doing their tax returns. And I don't know if she was talking about this year or previous years, but she told us how much she got taxed. And it was in like the tens of thousands of dollars. And we were like, holy goodness, like how much money do you earn? (laughs) And she did say, oh, and she provided us with a six figure number. And she works in the public service and Mel and I almost fell off her chairs and we're like oh my goodness well no wonder you got taxed that much she then went on to say she did a huge amount of extra work or something and that was why I just couldn't believe it I wouldn't have even thought and that's the thing it's not just the pay the conditions they're like no you can only do your five day week 40 hours and more than 40 hours you get this and this and this and the one thing that really got me is for one person I knew in the public service they wanted to study Mm-hmm. And so work's like, sure, you work three days a week and we'll facilitate your yep. study. Yeah. And I imagine me going into my boss saying, do you mind if I now go down to three days a week so I can study two days a week? No. No. So it's, that's it's, your job gone or that's your pay cut, that's for sure. Yeah. So I have not met many people who work in the public service who were like, oh, I love it. Yeah. I had a good friend of mine, Caravai, who went from media into the public service. And I remember speaking to him at the initial start of his time in the public service. And he went into a media role there. But he just said to me, everything is such slow pace. Now, obviously, media, again, is different because you have daily deadlines. But it was just really interesting hearing him say the pace of this is like, oh, that's all right. You didn't get that done today. Oh, we've got like two weeks to do that or work on that project over the next month or something or and he was like what because you're so used to doing things daily and I mean you have to think about people in a teaching profession or construction for example they have strict deadlines that they're needing to meet on a weekly basis on a curriculum basis on a term on a month and it was just quite funny yeah he was I think quite surprised at the pace of it which is something that I think certainly going from a media where you've got those daily hourly half hourly deadlines to oh don't worry don't worry about finishing that today finish that in the week or something must Mm. be really odd however I must admit we do feel like working the public service has all these benefits and yet neither of us have actually worked in it ever so Mm. we don't know what about reasoning that people come to Canberra I'll be the first to say I came to Canberra for work and as we spoke about in our first episode with Canberra Home I had no intentions of coming to Canberra otherwise the reason I moved here was for work a lot of people that I know are the same they flocked to Canberra for the job opportunities what about you yeah mine was definitely work there seems to be a band of people who are established long-term Canberrans and have been here forever and this is what their life will be and then there's 50%, 60% who would be people who are transient who've come here. And I think old Canberra, transient meant that you would come, maybe stay two years, but you would always be looking to go. I think new Canberra, such as the opportunities here, that people are setting up camp here and it's one of the few capital cities that are exponentially growing Mm -hmm. as people are coming and staying. Before moving to Canberra, I had the impression that being the capital city, the job opportunities would be coming out of people's ears. And it's in the time that I've lived here that I've realised that's actually not the case because as much as it is the capital. As you say, it is transient, meaning people move on, job roles change. And again, if it's not public service, even now there's so much decentralisation of the public service taking place and going to take place. 
that I realised because so much of it is centred around the public service though, if you do want a job in a different industry, the opportunities here aren't actually as much as you might think in a capital city and are greater because of population levels and that sort of thing in places like Sydney or Melbourne or competing capitals. I guess that's been my experience with it is before moving here, I thought capital would have loads of job opportunities. Now that I'm here, I'm not sure that's the case. Yeah, that brings me to something that I think ties in very nicely. So I was just having a look at some of the different areas. So, for instance, we have the Canberra Deep Space Communication Complex. (laughs) I was just going through and having a look at the CSIRO and their Mm. various areas. So, for instance, they've got a CSIRO postdoctoral fellow in representations for computational robot design. I can't even say that. (laughs) And then think about it. You've got, like, the National Gallery. Yes. I know at the gallery you have people who are specialists in one area that have unique experience. Then you have... And this is what I was coming back. We have like ASIO and stuff here. So imagine you've got secret... We have spies. We do. And the thing about all these roles are, because they're so specialist, I don't imagine there's Canberrans just squirreled away going, well, I've got all those, tick all those boxes. So that's why people come here, because we have these specialist roles that are so extraordinary. And it's interesting that you're so right. The institutions, we've got the CSIRO, we've got some amazing universities, we've got, yeah, it's places like... ASIO, we've got... Yeah, War Memorial. Think yeah, the, the War Memorial, I know, the curators and the... You're right, actually, when you say people from the arts community make up a lot of Canberra because when you think about the institutions, the curators and the directors and the whatever other roles there may be at places like the gallery, the museums, the War Memorial, even MOAD, like Museum of Australian Democracy at Old Parliament House, tour guides, all of these sorts of things. But again, I don't think people ever think about that when they think of Canberra. They don't. And I went to a thing at the National Gallery and I met this amazing woman and she had this extraordinary, like she she was buying overseas art, but she had a really specialist preservation role. And she gave me her card and her card description of her job was like so... I was looking at it thinking, you must be like one of a kind in mm. Australia. And I think she was one of a kind. So we have lots of those people. Yeah, we do. But you don't simply go to university and become that. That's like a job hunt nationwide or even internationally to find the right person to fill certain roles. Yeah, you're so right. I just feel like you don't... You don't get these kind of people elsewhere. And the ASIO one is a really good point and the Department of Defence too because we, you do, you have spies in Canberra. I remember a story my partner told me at one of his former jobs. He's a builder and a joiner. And at one of his former jobs, he had a work colleague who was going overseas and they were having some issues going overseas because his wife apparently worked for the Department of Defence in quite a high up role, don't know what she did. And they had to go through rigorous contact and paperwork with the department before she was cleared to go overseas because apparently they were going just on a holiday like most people used to do before COVID to a place where the Australian government had been working on particular intelligence operations and was she going over there and going to tell people over there what was going on and it was like it took them months for her to get clearance to go on this holiday and I was like oh I want to know more about what this lady does and this it's so interesting and secretive and I feel like this doesn't happen anywhere else I feel like it's so Canberra. Yes, that and there's two prongs to that conversation. 
I have had several people I've met where you're like, what do you do? And they say, and you know that they've got a much more interesting job than what they say when they say, I work in defence. Yeah, definitely. What do you do? (laughs) And they won't tell you any more than that. You're like, oh. And that happens all the time. That's such a normal thing to happen for us. The other thing is I work in the AFP. Yes. You never find out what they do in the AFP. And, And nine times out of ten, they're not a police officer. No. No, that, and that's the thing. People think that the AFP is just our normal police. But yeah. here in the AFP, we have all those specialist, again, far out specialist roles that people have in there that are just not what you're expecting. Baseline clearance. Yeah, oh, God. Oh, my God. And you're like, and that has levels. Like, are you baseline clearance whatever X? No, I'm at baseline clearance Y. Yeah. And what the hell? Yeah, so for context, everyone, this is a public service speak again and something that I've learned because I've got a girlfriend who's an auditor and has had to get a significant level of clearance, security clearance. So that's where baseline clearance, I think, is anyone who's joining the public service. They need to know a bit of background. Some departments are more rigorous than others. They need to know your travel history and over the last 12 months to two years or something, or they need to know who your housemates have been and how many places you've lived and things like that. But yes, one of my girlfriends who has a higher level of security clearance (laughs) was asked all sorts of questions, things like, who are your most recent sexual partners? And do you watch porn and all this internet history? Because beats me as to why they need to know it. But there's obviously some cyber security or potential security issues that they need to be aware of. Yeah, well, when we came here, the process, because you have to outline every place you've lived and I mean we've lived in 15 imagine having to go back through 15 houses and find all the details one more thing of course it's Canberra that I had totally forgot that no one else will conceive of we have diplomats yeah and embassies and yeah what and I had the most incredibly cool experience where they had B Day, day celebrating the B. And I had the Slovenian, the Slovakian, and the Serbian. There were all the S's. I probably got Swiss. Anyway, there were. And they came in, and it looks like all these diplomats, because they all sort of, they're all neighbors, basically. So yeah. they all hang out and they were singing songs to each other. And they were saying, You remember last Friday when I was at your house and we were doing this? And, blah. and they're just among us. We had. Every nationality of the world diplomat yeah, right here on the doorstep. in the doorstep. And the funny thing about that too is I often get told, go down to the Kingston pub on a Thursday night when Parliament's sitting and you'll run into every politician you can think of. Go to Forest, drive around Yarralumla, drive around Griffith, drive around Manuka, and that is like the hub of politicians, of public service, rich public service, and of diplomats, isn't it? Yeah. Those suburbs. Like yeah. you wouldn't walk around Belcon and Town Centre and see, <laughs> and see somebody. No. And you're <laughs> absolutely right because the one time I went out for dinner at that Kingston, Tony Abbott was coming out as I went, I oh, know, no. seriously. And I was like, it's a thing. It's a thing. Oh. I have one more story on the working because I don't know if there's – no, I don't think it is secret. I think everybody shares each other's stories, but I heard the – best story the other day of someone who was working for prime minister and cabinet but actually working for prime minister and the first day on the job they'd been given a letter that they had to interpret and send off and they did that and they went to the prime minister and said I've done that letter and the prime minister said but I didn't see it or sign it and she was like but I've sent it and he's (laughs) he's like who 
signed it then. <laughs> she said, I did. <laughs> oh, no. Did she? <laughs> oh, dear. <laughs> she signed and sent off a letter. <laughs> From the Prime Minister. <laughs> things now let's just say that but isn't that hysterical and I mean honestly that story only in Canberra could something like that happen (laughs) I thought that was gold (laughs) back to these sorts of I mean (laughs) look for anybody outside of Canberra even me living in Canberra listening to you talk about somebody you know that has had a direct (laughs) work interaction with the Prime Minister I think to so many people would be mind-boggling And what it comes back to is that Canberra, in a work sense, is so small but big at the same time. And this is just a totally off topic. Now, this is what I love about this story. No public service, no acronyms, no defence, no politics, no diplomats, nothing like that involved. This is just completely normal other jobs. I had a guy from Basque Blinds in Mitchell come and do a quote (laughs) on blinds in our house. His name was Murray. We got on really well because Murray was from, I believe, young from memory in the sort of regional New South Wales area. We were from the Central West. We bonded over that he's from young and we were from the Central West and blah, blah, blah. He left. He, whatever, didn't see him again. Really nice guy. The other day, my colleague at work, Clinton, who has recently bought a house in Canberra, came up to me and he goes, I met someone that knew you the other day. And I was like, oh, yeah, who was that? And he's like, Murray from Basque Blinds in Mitchell. (laughs) I was like... You are kidding. (laughs) That is just so camera. And it's not like I live in Gungahlin. My friend Clinton lives in Watson. Like, we may be... 10 minutes apart like the suburbs aren't next door to each other Mitchell is somewhere in the middle but like of all the blind companies and all the people and all the opportunities for someone to have gone and fit Clinton's blinds and fit my blinds it was the same guy and when Clinton said he worked at Prime 7 which is where I work they got talking about it and that's how the guy remembered me because he remembered where I work and he remembered that he fitted our blinds and he remembered that we had this conversation I couldn't believe it (laughs) And that's the other thing, because we're so personable here. Yeah. And so that does bring me to, outside of this, what we're doing at the moment, I'm doing interviews with many very, very interesting people. And I keep getting this whole, do you know everybody in Canberra? I'm Mm. like, no, it's just that because you meet this one person, they often introduce you to the next one. So as it happens, I went down to the... Australian War Memorial and hung out with my new best friend, Matt, who happens to be the (laughs) director of the War (laughs) Memorial, as you do. Very Canberran. Very Canberran. Loved him. We just got on like a house on fire. And the first time I'd actually met him was over the phone. And as it turns out, he'd been listening to me on the radio. No way. And he was was like, oh, I just heard this. And isn't it funny that I'm coming in? Because we'd been talking about something like spiders. And he's like, yeah, I've got to come off the back of that spider in that story. I'm like, well, you're the director of the War Memorial. I mean... Anyway. Big name, yeah. But bizarrely, and this is again just how Canberra it is, when I got there, so I was there with some ACT government people. and Also the, very Canberra. Also very Canberra. And the person who was facilitating the interview, I knew from stand-up comedy. Oh, so no way. I know. So I'm like, hey, Greg. And he's like, how are you going? What's blah, blah, blah. And they're like, how do you know him? And I went, well, through stand-up comedy. And so we're at the War Memorial yeah. to speak to the director 
I'm with the mate I know from stand-up comedy who's yeah. just facilitated at the same time. And it was just... It's not six degrees of separation, it's like one. Do you know what? I know exactly who you're talking about. Greg used to work at Prime 7. <laughs> Are you serious? I am. Yep. And I learnt that when I told him I was moving from my previous job to this job and he said that's where I started off. It's really funny that and here I am sitting listening to you tell me this story about how you've interviewed the director of the Australian War Memorial, Very Canberran. I've not met the current one but I've interviewed the former director of the Australian War Memorial, Brendan Nelson, whose credentials are out of this world. But we have a mutual friend, Eddie, who sat in on an interview with Malcolm Turnbull not that long ago, a couple of Mm. years ago. And it's funny because this whole time we're sitting here talking about public service, they have our own language of their own and we don't understand it and this and that, and yet we're talking about these opportunities that we've had with these very well-known Australia-wide, nationwide people that listeners are probably going, oh, listen, you two talking about all the people you know because you live in Canberra. Mm. You know, it's almost like we've done a 360 on the public service. They're such a unique group. And then there's us being like, oh, but we've met this person and we've interviewed this person. You're right. This, but this is Canberra work for you. This is what it's like being in this city. And I thought, oh, well, maybe it's not, but this is our view of Canberra work for you. Mm. And I think it is important that we have spoken about and that we do reiterate that we are in certain industries where these opportunities might present themselves more. But it's just different. It's just different to other cities, to other states. I mean, you've lived in lots of other places. You've had other jobs in different places. Is it anything like this? No, I've never had access to the people who we just have access here. So there's that element, but also everybody here work-wise is just so open and friendly. Yeah, yeah. And there is that real remembering of people. And I wonder if it's also part of, obviously, police-wise, politics-wise, it's a good trait to have to remember people you encounter and be able to remember their names and backgrounds, and it's a good skill. Because we've got the diplomats here, so I wonder if it's also part of the jobs that tend to bring people to Canberra that makes that... Maybe I view that as a small town feel where people remember you, where you do a story on someone in a media example and they remember you or the local cops know who you are or they have your phone. You know, it's that kind of relationship, I think, here, a bit more than it might be if you're working in Sydney or Melbourne or somewhere where there's so much more, not so much more happening, but people don't have time for it. Mm. Just to wrap up the surrealness of it all, I have literally today just been hanging out with the CEO of Screen Canberra. She's been the CEO for 11 years Mm. and she was showing me her crocheting (laughs) on the phone. And I just, I love that. That's the beauty of where we live. Yeah. The last thing I want to end on from a work perspective too is rush hour in Canberra. And again, we mentioned this Mm. briefly in our first episode about how rush hour here is if you're on Parksway and it's eight o'clock in the morning and you're trying to get to work, you might get stuck for 15 minutes or so, but that's it. Anywhere else and you're thinking, well, it's 12 minutes for you to get to work. It's about 10 for me to get to work. And I think as you mentioned in our home episode, you could cycle. I could probably cycle too. It's really not far at all and it's really not difficult at all. But again, it's just so different. In no other city, city, does it take you 10 minutes to get to work if you live on the other side of the city? Mm. And there's parts of my journey. And for anyone who's listening in Sydney or any other place, I can do several parts of that journey to work going 100k an hour. Yeah. And you're on always back roads, aren't you? It's amazing. Where else can you go 100k's an hour to get to work? This has reminded me of something because I'm trying to picture the routes that you might go. This is the last thing I want to talk about before we wrap up. 
This is very, very Canberra. So apologies for those of you that don't live here, but there is a road, the Majura Parkway, that leads from kind of Canberra's north, Gungahlin, all the way basically to Fishwick in Canberra South. And on one side, there's kind of horses and paddocks. And then all of a sudden, this massive Ikea and the airport. And on the other side, there's this hidden building. There's this camouflage building that's camouflaged into the hills. Do you know the one I'm speaking of? I know what it is. I know what it is too. Mm. It's a defence, Department of Defence Buildings. And everyone, if you're listening, Google Campbell Park. It's Campbell Park, isn't it? Mm. Google Campbell Park and look at it on Google Maps. Because one of the first weeks that I was in Canberra, I drove along this road. Maybe we were going to Ikea or the airport, I can't remember. What else is down there? doesn't matter. (laughs) I remember looking over and I remember seeing this building and it's like, I can't even describe it. It's got like three sections or something and it's camouflaged into and like built into the mountains. It's really weird. And I couldn't for the life of me figure out what it was. And I got back to work and I said to my colleague, Chris, there's this really weird shaped building that's camouflaged into that. And I had no idea what road we were on. I said, it's kind of opposite the Ikea, but not really. And I, I don't really know. I think it's underneath Mount Ainsley. I wasn't really sure. And he's like, yeah, yeah, that's the Department of Defense buildings. And that's this and that's that. And that's the next thing. And for years, I thought, oh my goodness, that is where the spies are because it's camouflaged <laughs> into the building. Nobody would know it was there. Maybe back 50 years ago or whatever, when not that Many people lived in camera, don't know. Maybe there was lots of trees around there and it was camouflaged by trees and no one would be able to see it. And it's quite well known. And I've actually been there to interview someone and the buildings are like, they're so horrible looking. It's just big concrete blocks, but it's actually just a normal workplace. And I currently have a friend of mine who I used to work with in media that now works in those exact buildings. Wow. Did you know on the other side of the road is where all the defence people go to learn how to shoot? Oh, the rifle range. Mm. No, I didn't know it was that close, that's another little. There's a maybe you're thinking of. There's a big like AFP hidden. Mm, just it's not on the on, other side yeah, of the, the other road. Side, but it's not. You can't access it from the Majura Parkway. You have to go down a side road. It's like old Majura Parkway or mm. something. Yes, because near to where that range is, and it's all blocked off, and they have dog training. Yep. yep. Yes, and near to there, that's where all the hail damaged cars are parked. Like on the other side of that. And that for again, I just have to describe it to you. You drive down and. Kirsty's just described one side of the road, then you've got this other thing on the other side of the road, and then there's like mountains of cars. And it's like this massive car paddock because we had a torrential hailstorm. Mm. And that's where they're all going to go to die, apparently. Yeah, the cars, I know, they just sit there. But honestly, if you're not familiar with Campbell Park, please just Google Earth it and you'll know what we're talking about. Because it is, I just couldn't believe it when we first moved here. I was convinced that's where all the spies worked because people would be like, is that a building or am I just seeing things? (laughs) Yeah. And last but not least, and I know we mentioned this in home as well, when you do that stretch of road, you see hundreds of kangaroos. kangaroos. Yeah, you do. Yeah, yeah you I do. just had to say that because, again, that's just part of the ambience that we're used to. Oh, well, look, we would love to hear about your work experiences in Canberra and we would love to hear if you agree that it's just everything's different if you work in the public service. Tell us what all your acronyms mean. Tell us what all the things you talk about mean because I would quite like to know, really, have you ever worked in Prime Minister and Cabinet they or probably, the Attorney General? They're never going to tell us. You know no, that. They're yeah. not allowed to. But we'd love oh. to know what's your normal that's different to our normal, particularly when it 
it comes to getting to and from work. And this is a good time to bring up a future episode for us as well. That's right. So we are going to be doing an Ask Us Anything episode, which hopefully will tie in quite well if you need to know more about our jobs or our life here. Over the next few weeks, we'll be promoting this. Please contact us. You know you can do that on Facebook, on our Instagram, on our email. Contact us with anything, any questions about any topic. We will answer them in an episode down the track. We might even do a bit of a video obsession of that for you. And as for next fortnight, we will be bringing you an episode called Back in Our Day. (laughs) Back in my day. I mean, really. Back Back in your day. I'm very much looking forward to that. and, And I think our age differences will really be highlighted. So stay tuned for Back in My Day coming in a fortnight. That wraps up another episode of 2040, a podcast celebrating friendship across generations. You can contact Jen or I via our 20-40 Facebook page or email 20-40 at gmail.com. We love your feedback, thoughts, questions and ideas for future podcasts. Thank you for listening.